KO here. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila, where we are working to inspire positive, radical social evolution. I'm pumped. Today, we are discussing all things generational narrative and how it coincides with representation and the importance of both of those things and the conversation around them. We'll break down what generational narrative is, our experience around it, and why it's important to continue to get out of these comfort zones, have hard conversations, and get in touch with our true authentic selves. Be sure to check out this episode on YouTube where you can like and subscribe and get the daily Turmeric and Tequila 411. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Questioning a better way, one gracefully disruptive conversation at a time. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila. I am very excited to be here today. As usual, I am welcoming back Ashley, basically pseudo co-host of Turmeric and Tequila, uh, and her uncle Eric to the mic. And then we've got Reggie at some point, I think, coming in. I'm going to let them do introductions. We're going to have a fabulous conversation today about generational narrative, um, the importance of representation, and you know, who knows what other stuff will, what rabbit holes holes we will go down, but uh, it's about to happen. Without further ado, welcome to Turmeric and Te- Tequila, you guys. Thanks awesome. for having Thanks us. For Greetings and salutations. Happy yes. to be back. Yes. Um, Ashley, we know you, but why don't you kick us off with a little intro and then Eric, you can give us your 411, including your fabulous uh, podcast. Yes. So Ashley Simone here back again, um, your favorite neighborhood esthetician and Colorado native and back to happy to be back and just chop it up and talk about some cool stuff again. There you go. Uh, if you don't know Ashley, go back and listen to some of our casts. We have uh, three-hour conversations, so you get to know us intimately. Very. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Eric, hit us, hit us with your truth. Oh, well, Eric Mitchell, um, E. Mitch, some people call me Uncle E to, to Ashley and her friends. Yes. Sometimes late night, Uncle Eases, depending on how many <laughs> sips I've had. Uh, that is know, true. Grew up in Colorado Springs, you know, just a uh, local kid. Went to see you, you know, met my beautiful lady, had a fam, and um, just create software during the day. But I'm an entrepreneur, like really serious. I have like three businesses going at, at one time and, uh, you know, include my new podcast, Don't Be Alarmed, We're Negroes. So that's all about me. Yes, we love, you know, we love fellow pod fam. Um, and here's what's so cool about this conversation. Uh, I'm going to give the formal definition, but obviously we look different, but the through line is that we, we all, all three of us have a lot in common, including being Colorado natives. Ashley and I went to high school, literally like three miles apart. <laughs> Down <School>. the street. <laughs> yeah. Neighborhood schools. Um, we, I guess, I don't think you'd say we were different ge- generations. We're 10 years apart. Um, but entrepreneurial set podcasters, like we've got so much in common. So this is really cool conversation to have, because I think we'll have different uh, perspectives that are similar and then obviously that are super different. So we're just going to unpack it all. Um, so generational narrative, the reason I wanted to have this conversation was really because Ashley and I would have like these like hour to two hour conversations and we would talk about, um, you know, I think we always do heavy conversation. We're never really like talking about the weather. Heavy is the normal for us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think we, a friend found us, we'll say a friend at the bar one time we were talking and he was like, oh, this seems so serious. And Ashley's like, it was no way. always serious. <laughs> uh, so we would talk about things like race and socioeconomic status and da, da, da. and then we'd always talk about like generation and be like it's kind of cool how you know we are so different what have you but like in our generation like there's just certain things like we understand that our parents don't understand and probably like the the generation below us that they understand that we don't understand um so i wanted to unpack that today because i think in a divided nation there is some really beautiful commonalities in our experience it's currently happening um generationally so the formal definition of generation narrative generation this is very formal but it's narrative generation understood as the task of constructing computational models of the way in which humans build stories has been shown to involve a number of separate processes related to different purposes to to which it can be applied and focusing on specific features that make stories valuable take a top shot of tequila right now Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> that's very formal. My quick version of that is basically it's what we learn within our generation and what we learn um, that's around us and basically the stories that our families, I wouldn't even say they consciously tell us, it's just we experience and we kind of build that story. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Um, why don't you guys tell me a little bit uh, about how this has showed up in your world or maybe how you kind of just discovered it or how it's relevant. Um, give me a little bit of background of how ge generational narrative has kind of been apparent in your world recently. Um, so if you don't mind if I start, Uncle. No. Nope. So <clears throat> I feel like when I was thinking about this, I've found like a few different narratives, but it goes with like the timeline of my life. So I would say like background wise, I always thought like there was like a generational narrative of like the strong black woman narrative. So like background about me, like I'm, you know, one of two, but my mom was a single parent raising kids on her own. And, um, you know, she sacrificed a lot, honestly, to make sure that she ra raised us in like a really good neighborhood. So there was that. I was also raised by a lot of women and I feel like a family thing. I'm not sure if like you agree, uncle, but I feel like we had like a very like matriarchal family dynamic too. So I feel like, like that kind of feeds into that as well. So I was just raised by like my grandmas, my aunts, my godmother, like very strong influence with like women. And then the other thing with that is that they raised us all like to be very intense on like education, like education comes first. So it was like, get your grades, don't worry about these boys. And then it flipped once you like turned a certain age and they were like, where are the kids at? Why don't you have kids? Why aren't you married? Like, wait, hold on. What are, what do you want from me? I, I got the degree. <laughs> Ask me about my job. <laughs> That's true. I mean, you know, we were raised by a, a bunch of strong women. I mean, my dad was there and mm -hmm. he gave me advice and stuff, but my mom was a strong hold on me pushing mm -hmm. education because, you know, your grandma started as, you know, a maid and made her mm -hmm. way up into being a paralegal or a paraprofessional for underprivileged kids and then mm -hmm. working in the ad building. So she wanted to see more from us. So education was pushed and, and just, to kind of see that and then how proud they are of us, right? Like the education piece. And then yeah. they do flip it. And after you got that degree, they do want you to be like, hey, where's the kids? But yeah. here's the thing though, like, uh, here's my thing. Like, I love family dearly and I'm glad that how I was raised, but y'all didn't raise me how to date. So like, how are you gonna flip it on me and be like, yeah, so where's the husband at? Like, wait, uh, what, what do you mean? It was the leave the boys alone. Now it was yeah. like, where are the boys at? <laughs> Do you want to learn how to date though from your mom or your dad? Like, I don't, I don't know about that. Uh, I mean, uh, mm -mm. I think it's, I think it varies case by case. I can't really answer that question just because of like what my mom specifically went through. So I don't think that's necessarily a fair question. <laughs> I mean, my dad was smooth, right? But mm, grandpa, uh, just, just to grandpa was smooth. Like he was smooth. I, I mean, thought he was an ordinary old man, but just sweet to his grandkids. Grandma, so what you? I mean, what you mean? So, and it, I mean, you look at the the difference between your sister. I mean, your your mom mm -hmm. and me and our age. So he was smooth enough that he popped out two more kids. They was getting it. Oof, my God. Yeah, that's right. The twenty year. What was it? Twenty two years in between you and years. my mom. Yeah, so right. explain that a little bit because I think this is a super interesting fact. Um, and like a racist, and I absolutely love that we have related humans talking about this right now because you can hear the two perspectives of the generational narrative because a lot of it is our own personal experience, even when it your siblings or family or whatever. Uh, but yeah, tell us a little bit specifically about the family setup so people understand. So my grandma is one of nine, and she's the youngest. When my grandma had kids, my mom was first. My mom's the oldest. When she had my mom, she was 16. Then when she was 18, she had my uncle Paris. And then for 22 years, there were no children. And then out of nowhere came uncle E and my aunt Nikki. <laughs> I always wondered, like, was there a gap where they were like, hey, we're going to play it safe for 22 years and then oops, or- Play it safe? 
I, I don't know, right? Like, did they play it safe? Like, were they using some kind of method for 22 years? Because you just don't have kids <laughs> after 22 years. They're not that old. You act like they were using, like, sheepskin or something. Hey, man. I don't, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> any of Well, my, my youngest brother is 13 years younger than me um, because my parents struggled having children and like all three of us are there until everybody always thinks he was a mistake but ironically i think i was the whoops and, and <laughs> clearly universe played that one right but uh he was like more planned than any of us so you you never know like what you just you can't judge a book by its cover because it could be intentional it could be, maybe they wanted it that way I don't it know. probably was i think i think it was intentional just because i draw the parallel between my other set of grandparents so Fun fact, my dad um, also is 22 years difference between his younger brother, my other uncle, Henry. So it's very interesting that that's what my parents had in common. And my grandma that's still living on my dad's side told me like, you know, when she was, you know, remarried to my uncle's father she he was like, I want a kid. And she was like, all right, let's see what happens. And she was a solid 45. So shout out to Grandma Flo. So we got time. Um, But that, what's what's so cool about the generational narrative, which I didn't really get it until I think like a life coach or someone was explaining to me and I'm like, oh, this is why I believe these things. But I didn't even know it was a conscious belief until I had a conversation about it. And they're like, that's your truth. You think that's the way it is because of this. It's not necessarily that's the way it is. Uh, An example is I have, there's four of us in my family and my parents are divorced and we, we don't look, we don't frown upon marriage or anything like that. But my story was career and doing you was always deeply important. And so none of us are married. And I don't think relationships have really been a priority in our world. And people might think that's negative or whatever. It's not for us. Um, But it hasn't been a priority until later in life. So that was one of my stories and my beliefs around marriage. Um, Or my focus points was, was me before I, you know, started a marriage or really took a relationship serious is that might sound kind of more aggressive than it is, but that was something where I'm like, Oh, I didn't, I guess I didn't really think about it. You mean everybody doesn't think like that? Um, so did have you, you ever want to, did you ever want to change that narrative though? Like, yeah, well, so now that I've gotten older and like, again, I'm having these conscious conversations. I'm like, Oh shit. Like mm-hmm. you got to like heighten your own awareness of what's going on. So and it doesn't, it could be good. It could be bad. I think it's just having the awareness of what's going on and then being conscious of like, what do I truly want? Like at this point, I'm very intentional about heart, mind open. I do want a mm-hmm. long relationship. I'm open to family, however form that comes. Mm-hmm. Um, but those just straight up weren't my priorities until now. And I didn't really understand why that wasn't. I'm like, oh, well, there's four of us and we're all similar. Like that's coming from somewhere. Um, so again, it doesn't have to be good or bad. It's just like you start to really see patterns and you don't even know that it's like impacting your life as much as it is. Um, Ashley, I think you had a really good point about like kids are expensive. If you want to tell that story, not to be, <laughs> but which yes. they are. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are. I, I will say like, so like to your point, I think like me and uncle E kind of like are in the middle of a generational shift. Okay. Like, you know, Uncle E was talking about like, you know, how my grandma came up and like, you know, how education was very important. Same thing goes for like everybody in the family, but not necessarily everybody followed that path. So our family, I think, I think it's our family, like where it's like, I think just about everybody has a degree, not every part of our other like extended family I don't think they can say the same thing so and then you know we live in Denver as opposed to like everybody the majority of everybody else there are other people who live up here but the majority of the folks that we're related to live you know in our south so I think I think we were kind of in the middle of a change okay based on kind of like you know living in a different area and just like starting anew what do you think Uncle? It was it was still a mindset, right? Like so, like me going to school, right? And you were younger, so we kind of set the path where you saw some of us older ones going to college, and like mm-hmm. had some older cousins that were doing that same thing or whatever. But the narrative of school wasn't there, right? Like we we have some cousins like my age that weren't on that path yet, but they came later in life. Yeah, to jump in on that. Yep, and. Also, when you look at the narrative of Colorado Springs versus Denver, right? Like they call us high class because we moved to Denver because <laughs> we're about our business and trying to do things or whatever. Yep. 
They literally call us high class Mitchells. Right, high class Mitchells. Yeah, I, I, we can't make this up. Like, I don't feel like I don't know. Maybe it is. Oh, we embraced it. We made T-shirts. It's fine. Oh, yeah, it's, it's great. It's great. Because if, <laughs> if you're gonna hate on me for trying to do good in the world, then I'm yeah. doing something right. You know. I was so. wearing it actually for um our last podcast we all did together. <laughs> that yellow T-shirt. Oh, I wish I would have like recognized what it was. <laughs> well, I think that's a really good point though, because I um. I think the more you pull back and you realize what's going on in your family and, you know, it can be something lighthearted about like bouginess or maybe it's like politics and the way you feel about race or whatever, you can see how different you are than your family. And then I think Eric, to you, how you just asked me, like, would you want to change it? I think that's when you can do like some personal growth and be like, is this actually me or is this everything I learned to this point? And do I want to maintain this narrative? Um, oh, here's Reggie. Let's give him uncle Reg. Oh, he's coming in. Um, I'll let him introduce stuff. But has there been a point where you guys have consciously been like, this is what I believed or I've been taught to believe, but now I'm going to disrupt that and kind of live my life according to my own beliefs? Oh, God, I, yeah. Yeah, I just said, <laughs> hey, I'm going to be me, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> when I look at it, like, my mom, like, even though she raised us that way and, like, you know, this is the way it is for her, it was always a thing of be your own person, right? So mm -hmm. I took that to heart. So yeah, to me, there's only one image you know, or Eric that's doing the things that I'm doing. And I embrace that. And, and either you love it or you hate it. And if you hate it, oh, well, you know, and uh, that's about it. Yeah. I like Uncle that. Reg, you made it. Hey, we got, we got, we got a drop in guest coming in. Reggie, uh, we're in, we're deep into the generational narrative situation, but give us your introduction. So I am, uh, my name, it, well, you know, my, I have a real name, but the, my friends call me sugar free. Um, or AKA Kalua, um, and that's uh, that's where I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna stick right there, but I'm sure my name will pop out through the through this podcast. Um, I am a career storyteller, so I've had a career in communications. So everything from marketing to creating content to supporting executives to you know supporting big meetings, um, developing comms plans, I've done kind of around the gamut, everything except um, external communications throughout my career. So I've had a uh, 25 it's going to going on 25 year career in communications uh all in the denver area and all for the same organization so i love oh, comms majors unite i was gonna say we can, we can swim in the depths of all the theories right now um well give us we're kind of like discussing like our own um experience with generational narrative for me it was kind of an awakening of that that is even a thing and then how some of my beliefs that were there that i didn't really even know where they were coming from or why they were my stories, I was beginning to unpack. Were there points in your life or now where you had this generational narrative um, playing like a major role in your world and then you kind of woke up and you're like, oh wait, maybe this isn't exactly the way I wanna be living or these aren't my true beliefs? Yeah, I mean, I, I think for me, you know, um, <clears throat> had a, have a very interesting background. My, I'm half, I'm actually biracial. So seeing kind of the, what I would say you know, the good and bad of, of both sides of, of my family um, and kind of seeing like what their expectations were from a generational, you know, kind of, you know, this is the way that things get passed on and from, from one generation to the next. And, you know, from from my standpoint, I, you know, my my mom, I think, was very progressive in the fact that she said just because something has been done one way that it doesn't mean you have to do it that way the rest of your life. She told me, like from being biracial, that there's going to be points in your life where you're going to be accepted or you might not be accepted because either you're too light or too dark. But at the same time, what she was trying to tell me is, is that don't, don't follow the same path, make your own path, create your own path. So that's what I got from my parents. Um, you know, more, more my mom, because I think she was more aware of what I was going to face as, as being, you know, a mixed child growing up, uh, you know, growing up. Yeah. I think, I mean, that's, that's, I think, uh, anytime I hear parents, like I coached for, well, forever, it's kind of how I paid bills in college. And then afterwards I started a company, but seeing how, um, working with some kids that I could really tell had progressive parents and the ones that had really firm rules, it's like, I was dealing with two totally different humans. So I really think it's a blessing when you do have open-minded progressive parents, because it changes like your trajectory exponentially. And it, it, I mean, and that life skills and that open-mindedness just, 
just creates so much more opportunity. Um, was there a point for any of you guys where you were at home, like maybe after high school, you go to college, but like where you were removed from your family and you really started to create your own self? Like for me, that was going to college. Um, and I started to really just understand how my version of the world wasn't exactly how I grew up. Well, oh God, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like when you, when I left for college, I made in my mind that I said, Hey, I would never go back to live at home in Colorado Springs. I'm going to make my way. And I got that advice from my older sister, smarter sister, uh, Lucy. My mommy. And so she was like, Hey, you can, you can do this. So, you know, my freshman year, I, I went back and forth from Boulder and went home and visited a lot. But when I start to come into myself and figuring out and meeting friends and, and kind of getting acclimated of who I am as a person, not so many visits, right? Because you come to Denver though, too. Yeah, I would. I, would I feel like you, you like would go to the Springs and then like to wean yourself, you would come to Denver and see yeah, us. I would come hang out with you guys. And of course, you know, sis, older sis would be like, Hey, you're doing the right thing. You're chilling, you know, you're doing your stuff. And you know, it, she really helped me uh, in a way. And then, my lady, of course, she was like, hey, we're not going back to Carl Springs. <laughs> it was a hard no. A, a hard no. Like, uh, that would not thank be. God. Yeah. <laughs> which, which totally helped me, right? Because I could see myself falling into some bad habits and ways going back home for sure. So I don't know who you'd be. And, and not that, like, Colorado Springs is terrible. It's not like a terrible place. It's just um, what uncle was talking about earlier. It's just a mindset situation. So if you're not really encouraged to have like a specific kind of mindset, like, or like a growth mindset, yeah, you're going to fall into some things that you used to do or, or who knows? Yeah. Oh, that's an important point. I don't think this is why I think the conversation is so important for our young people. It's not that things are good or bad. It's being aware and conscious that it's actually you, that you are doing these things that you care about or a way you want to live. And I think even when you are conscious and you're privileged to have such friends where you can have these more in-depth conversations and people that'll call you out being like, mm, actually, that's a no, or you should yeah. be this or pull your feet back down to the ground. That's amazing. But you don't really understand how deeply woven those stories are and are guiding your life until you really unpack it. So I think it's so critical for kiddos to hear this and be like, okay, what am I actually doing? What do I actually care about? And get away from your family for a minute, like get away just so you can see and breathe. And maybe you go back, whatever, but you find out what's authentic to you. Yeah. I think you have to do that. I think that, you know, I grew up in college. I actually stayed home. So I went, I had the opportunity to go to CU Boulder, but I chose to stay in town because my internship was here. Smart man. I had, I had, you know, I had a different choice I had to make. To me, I looked at school almost like a job. And then I would go hang out in, and I would go hang out with Image and these guys up in Boulder. So I kind of felt like I had a separation from my family, but I also had to separate school from my, from me personally having fun. Because if I didn't do that, I don't think I would have survived. But I think for, for me, I even think I had to think about things differently because I, I, I worked Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Yeah. I went to school. I shoved all my school in Tuesday, Thursday, and I tried to work and do all of my school stuff during the week. So that way, when I wanted to turn up and go hang out, I was able to do that. So I think even, even like generationally, like from my, from my parents standpoint, my mom was like, how do you do this? Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I think you even have to find your own, your own way, your own niche, even when you're trying to find your path. So don't be afraid to try things that you think are going to work just because someone else doesn't think they won't. Absolutely. And this is where I really, uh, and I agree with that because sometimes you can't, like my mom, uh, when she was going to college, had to drop out because uh, my grandfather had a heart attack and she had to help support the family. And so sometimes kids can't get away or you don't, maybe you don't choose college, whatever. Um, but I think another avenue if you can't necessarily move away from your family is having uh, an intentional diverse group of friends. And I'm not even talking mm -hmm. about like race, but sexual orientation, socioeconomic status, belief mm -hmm. systems. Uh, so you can really see how they live and you can be like, oh, you know what? I actually do identify with that or, or I didn't understand. And actually, and it can be like in-depth complicated things or uh, Ashley and I've talked about like just varsity pro tips that you never would have learned. Like, well, this is actually how you cook this or don't use the Instapot like that. It's burning. <laughs> like, <laughs> which is a real story. Um, like all yeah. the <laughs> pro tips that can come through, but also like recognize 
how similar we really are on most things and kind of get to your own path. Um, for you guys, Reggie, I don't know if you have kids, but like, are you, are these intentional conversations with like kids or cousins or younger people in your lives? Yeah. So, I mean, I have, we have a, you know, I have a, a stepdaughter. She's, I mean, she's grown now and she's 22, but okay. I think, you know, growing up, you know, have, or watching her grow up, you know, there were points when, you know, I would definitely share this knowledge with her, you know, at, at certain points. I mean, obviously, you know, you, as a step parent, you got to kind of pick and choose your pick and choose your battles. But mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> I mean, I think that, you know, sometimes, you know, the, whether or not the message was was, you know, received, I think that it, it was it it's in there, right? So even though today, like, she'll come back and say, well, I remember when we talked about this, and when we talked about this, so I know that the things that we shared are, or at least they, they penetrated the brain. Um, and so hopefully, you know, that's all you can hope for is as a parent that you've instilled as much knowledge as you can, and then to help them make the right decisions. And I think, you know, for me, that was one thing, but I also share this with my cousins or, you know, you know, I have a lot of friends who have kids that are growing up now. So it's the same thing. You know, if I have an opportunity to tell them something that, you know, somebody share with me, I think that that's important. Yeah. I think that's cool that you're experiencing the fruits of your labor now. And for her to be what, 22, that's pretty quick. Like yeah. I didn't come back and say, Hey mom, my bad. Until I was like 25. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think she's, you know, I, I, I think she's been through enough in life that she's had to kind of grow up faster than most kids. Yeah. Um, and that's unfortunate, but I think that, that that's something that you, that's going to make you, it's going to build your character. And I think, you know, she's, she's still learning who she is. And I think that she's doing a good job and on that path. I like the resiliency. Yeah. That's what you need to get through mm -hmm. this crazy thing called life. Yeah. I think everything comes to our young people so much faster nowadays, obviously social media and the internet, but man, you're just like sex, drugs, and alcohol and all this, like it's the next level really, really soon. I started coaching uh, women's varsity lacrosse at Grandview the second I graduated. So I was like 23. And even then being out of high school for five years, I could see how much more their high school experience was intense and inundated with things. And when I had even graduated, mm. I mean, they're just living in such a faster world. So I love to hear that these conversations are happening happening sooner because I think it's a, it's a uh, like a tool set of of life skills that you just need to get by. Yeah, and I guess it speaks to like what your support system is like. Like speaking of like growing up too fast or not growing up too fast. I remember remember when I turned nineteen, Uncle, and I had never had a drip of alcohol, I and you got me so sauced. So the, he, they did that on purpose so I wouldn't drink until I was 21 and it worked. It was a it was a life lesson, right? So talk if, about a life lesson. I didn't if, I don't I don't know if I needed to go through all of that. Oh, you did because we partied so hard. <laughs> and then, you know, I just said, Hey, you know, if you're not gonna go to see you where I can have a watch for uh, are we gonna, gonna go, do this? I was waiting go, for it. Are we gonna do this? And we gotta see you. So we have this Colorado battle happening. Like I, I, it comes up. I think every time I'm around, I we hear at least a little something every time. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's not us if we don't if if he doesn't bring it up. It's not him. I, I just like to you know just play into it. And I like to I like to dig too. So that yeah. oh god, you <laughs> and your stepdaughter. When I first like when we first would go to like the showdowns, I'm like, man, I know y'all family, but we can scrap if you want to. We outside. <laughs> I think it's kind of funny, but we might be going over that line. I'm just here with the tequila, so we're all <laughs> but you know, um, freshman, right? Uh, so I want to talk, and this is like kind of a perfect transition. Lacrosse is traditionally like a white rich kid sport, and um, I was fortunate enough to have two women of color on my lacrosse team, which is obviously, I mean, that's like four percent, which was nothing. But back in the day, there was, I mean, there wasn't even really lacrosse in Colorado, let alone it being diversified. Um, so we were fortunate to even have a little bit of diversity on our team, and it's people I've still kept in touch with over over time. But when I graduated, I intentionally wanted to spread the gospel of lacrosse because it had provided so much for my world. And I knew it was expensive to play and blah, blah, blah. But I re didn't really understand the importance of that representation, meaning seeing a diverse uh, group of humans and not just race, but 
again, income, belief system, everything, uh, until I started to like unpack it. But it, it really resonated with me as a kiddo because I was the only girl of uh, us four, I had three younger brothers. And so seeing a female playing professional sports or a woman owning a business, it was very, very important to me early on to, to see those role models and understand it. And so that's where I became passionate about representation. Um, can you guys tell me a little bit about your experience or maybe like it was the first time you that you saw somebody that looked like you that changed the trajectory of your path or made you kind of feel like you can do whatever it is you want to do? Well, I mean, we have a golf show and growing up, we saw Tiger Woods, right? So he skewed the whole golf thing, right? And so he was the most dominant, still pushes the needle and everyone still talked about him. And he's a black dude in the world of golf, right? And and it's just interesting to see, like, I mean, basketball, football is primarily, you know, it's going to be driven by the Negroes, you know, which is cool or whatever. But there's other sports out there. And, you know, speaking of, you were talking lacrosse and yesterday, so my son, Kalen, plays flag football. And so we're watching flag football games or whatever. And the there was an older kid there in high school, black kid, tall, big. And he's doing lacrosse practice with his dad. I'm glad so, to hear it. Yeah. So I happen to, to look over and I'm like, huh, this brings me to a, a point here because a few years ago they were like, hey, if kids can get into lacrosse, they'll get scholarships. And so when you look at golf and lacrosse and sports like that, like you can get these minority kids into those and expose them to them besides the basketball and football, they may have a chance to, to get a free ride out there. And it's actually kind of fun. Like I would love to push lacrosse to my son and I'll, I'll continue to try. Um, but also there's a factor that those sports lacrosse and golf can be very expensive. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, there's ways though, you right. know, Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, I think you, you had asked like, when did you, see someone that looked like you that, or at least, you know, favored me. Like, so I was, you know, um, growing up, I played soccer. I started with soccer. So that's where my parents put me first. Then I went to football and then, um, played basketball, things like that. So I think the one thing that I noticed, like from a soccer perspective is I did not see a lot of kids that looked like me. Mm -hmm. And there is, I can't remember the name of this movie, but I remember it had Sylvester Stallone in it. Um, there was a British actor, um, older guy, and I can't remember his name, but he's he's been in a lot of movies. And Pele, and uh, there was a soccer, it was a soccer guy named Pe, you know, um, soccer star, a Brazilian soccer star named Pele, and he was in that movie, okay. old school movie in the seventies. Okay, I'm kind of dating myself, <laughs> but I remember watching that movie as a kid and seeing how great Pele was, and I kind of knew who he was just because growing up playing soccer, you know, you hear about the greats, you hear about these, these guys that you want to idolize. So for me, I remember seeing, you know, you see, like I saw Reggie Jackson, I saw, you know, Magic Johnson in, in basketball. I saw these guys who were, who were great athletic talents. But for me, when I saw somebody that looked like me in a sport that I didn't really understand or kind of know why I didn't see more people like me was soccer. And I saw him in that movie. And for me, it was like, okay, well, if Pele, can do this and be a, a, a like a star then i think it's possible to kind of do what you want to do you got to work at it so i kind of that's that's kind of how i thought of it and that's the one of the i remember like having that thought of this guy looks different on this even it was a movie but he looked different on the field that's and I, the thing that the power in that moment is the actual the the through line of generational narrative and representation if you can see it you believe it you do it you then start to shift the generational narrative in itself so like the two completely coincide and that's why it's so important to um have represent have equal representation and like diversify things so we can start to like shift things in the right direction not to overly simplify a major complicated situation we got to approach no no i like that but it's but it's it's how they really like coincide together and how like those little small collective steps can kind of lead towards um we'll say a better world um in 
was there a point at any time where you guys like post-college when you were older and like we kind of had these aware conversations where you've gone back to like oh we need to get back into you know conscious representation like i know you have uh a golf show and your people of color so we're you know operating in traditionally white spaces but was there anything else where you're like i want to intentionally kind of disrupt the norm or the status quo of how this you know overly white situation looks does that make sense yeah, um, I mean, yeah. go ahead, go ahead, niece. Yeah, I feel like I, I, I feel like I do that now, like for like two things. So, like as if people have listened to me before, like they know that I model. So when I was coming up in my younger years, like the person that I looked up to was Naomi Campbell, because I was like, man, like she is freaking beautiful and she's chocolatey. Like it was like back then, it was not a thing to like have darker skin. Like it was very colorist it's still a colorist time but it was a very colorist time back see that like i still model to this day because i want other people or kids young women whoever they them to look at me and be like okay she can do it i'm doing it too like I, and i want to normalize it not like oh like man like that's a cool black lady like no 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 that's just a lady you know like how they treat everybody else and then I'm also an esthetician. So, you know, being in a traditionally white space, like I just want to hold space for people of color so they feel comfortable enough to come and get, you know, like skincare. Cause it's not just for rich people. It's not bougie. It's not like you're just being cute. It's like, no, like don't crack and I don't need sunscreen. Like, nah, it will crack and you will get, you know, sun damage and possibly cancer. Let's not do this. So just holding space for people of color and letting people feel like comfortable is like, what's really important to me. Yeah. And that movie I was talking about is victory. So if you ever get a chance to go back and watch that, I can watch it. It's okay. Hell of the times. And it'll, I think there's some things that still reflect till, till this day. But I think you guys bring some good, you bring up some good points. I think trying to have a space and create equality or a, like a, a level playing field, I think that's exactly what you guys are mentioning. I think for me, I I, I was an intern uh, that turned into a full-time job. I've been at this, this same company forever. I think a lot of the things in the discussions that we had as interns were way, way more advanced than I've ever had at work. Mm. Until this day, I mean, I remember being in conferences with Latin, you know, Latino students and Asian students and black students and kids that were mixed like me. And we got into there was these workshops that we had. I think it was my second summer. We talked about all these things that matter in race and kind of what are your experiences. And we're doing this with some of us are going into college, right? Some of us are already in college. Some of us are seniors. So you had all these different people coming together at all these different levels, but have experienced what this country can do in different ways. And for us to have those conversations back then, like I'm talking like this is in the late nineties, right? Yeah. It was again, dating myself, but I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there because I feel like it's relevant. Those conversations were way more advanced than anything I've ever had at work. And I will tell you at work, we're barely scratching that surface. To wow. Talk these issues. Well, and it's, it's a hot button topic now, right? So when, when we came into school, like if you were smart and you made it, it, you got into those companies, right? So now with COVID and, and, you know, this generation has come up, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of things with race right now. And it's pushing the narrative, which I totally appreciate because you have companies that are active in a diversity. We're not talking affirmative action or whatever. We're talking major, we need to rehaul this thing and do some stuff, right? So, you know, when I went to school, you always heard affirmative action and everything like that. And, and we're there. So, and then minority arts and sciences program, which was, I was a part of and engineering and everything. So you get in based off of that, even if you had your grades, like they pushed you towards that. So you play sports and you were in this scholarship program, you're doing those things. And then when you get out in the work field, it's different because for me being in it and writing software and stuff, you don't see a lot of brothers out there doing mm -hmm. that. That's the crazy yeah. thing. So now 
you know, I work for Worldwide Technology, who who was founded by a black man or whatever. But even the diversity within that company is still very low, and and we're working on that. And I'm an active part in that because we need to get more people, no matter what, not not even just the skin color, but you know if you're a woman, because there's not a lot of women that are representing in that field. Mm-hmm. And, and also, you know, the whole, you know, gay community and all that stuff, it's just not represented and it's a shame. So we're working on that and we're, we're doing a, a big effort. And I think a lot of companies are doing that, which is, is major now. Um, and it's about time, but you've got to wonder like why it took so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I think that's really well said. And I, I strategically asked that because, you know, as we get older, you kind of get in the motion of life, things get fast. You got kids and bills and taxes and dogs and whatever. And to like kind of have that conscious mindset to add one more thing of, you know, kind of figuring out your own crap, but also what am I doing good in this world? How am I actively, you know, pushing forward some of these like harder conversations. Um, but it's so important to continue that, to to keep going. And, and even the small steps, like you just said, it's not necessarily just having companies be better about it, but like having kids that, that are graduating that are diverse. And like, it starts very early. I'm a product of Title IX where women's lacrosse probably wouldn't have been there if Title IX wasn't there. Um, so I'm a major advocate for it. And, you know, I hear all the time how it's, you know, wiped out the boys teams and blah, blah, blah. And we'll save that for another podcast. But mm-hmm. if, if they didn't, happen. I mean, they attribute the women's soccer, um, the success of the women's USA team to title nine. So it, it takes years and these like initial steps to see all of these things change down the road. And that's why it's so important. I think for people like us that are on the mic or out there or community leaders or hashtag influencers, um, that are, you know, doing our hustle, doing our thing and kind of further involving this conversation in our everyday life. Cause those little steps from my perspective are really where it starts. Do you guys agree with that? Or what's, what's your vibe there? Yeah, I, th- I think you, I think I agree with all of that. And I think you have to kind of almost take an interest in something that you've never had exposure to before. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to try new things and experiment and see what what's, you know, what do you like? You don't know what you, you don't like until you try it. Right. So I think being having that open mind to do different things in life um, are going to set you up to have these conversations and to better understand where people are coming from. Um, I think if people would just take the time to just, just, you know, listen a little more than they talk. I think Mm -hmm. that things would be a lot better in this, in this country. Yeah. Yeah. What is the old saying of like, you have two ears and one mouth for a reason or something like that? (laughs) I've I've never heard that probably because I wasn't listening, but I'll write (laughs) Well, we know what you were doing in grade school. (laughs) They probably had to put you all the way in the corners (laughs) so you couldn't talk to your neighbor. Oh, oh, my name was on the board all the time, which I really didn't mind. So it wasn't (laughs) branding. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What about you? You got kiddos. Yeah. Well, it's just breaking the narrative. Like I tell my kids, like you can do anything you want to do. You know, I don't care what color your skin is. Look at your dad, you know, and I try to serve it as example. Right. So my mom always put that in me. You can do anything. And so I don't care, you know, what, what area it's in. Like if I put my mind to it, I can be in here, be a part of this, you know? And so they can do the same thing. Like, it's just knowing that you can break that narrative. Like there's a lot of kids, especially when I grew up, like they were told that they wouldn't be anything. Mm -hmm. This is what you're going to do. This is how it's going to be. Either you're going to play sports, go to the military, and maybe you'll get a chance at college, right? Or right. anything like that. But you got to break that narrative. You got to think bigger than that. Like you can own companies, you can do your own own thing out there and just be able to break that. So whatever my kids want to do, like they're going to have the opportunity to go to school and college because we save for them. But whatever they want to do, I'm going to support it as long as they're happy. And that's the one thing I commend, you know, the younger generations on about that is because you guys are pushing that. Like you're like, hey, yeah, I went to school, but I don't need this degree. I'm going to do something totally different, right? Like, and I'm going to make good with it. And that's what it's about. Like, to me, that's what what this whole thing of life and and being who you want to be is is all about. Like, Chris, yeah. you started businesses coming right out. Like, oh, I'm going to start a business. Mm-hmm. There was haters in the background, like, man, what is she doing? She could go work for this company, <laughs> do this and do that. Why is she starting her own? But look at you. 
yeah. you went and did your thing and you're still growing, you know, and Ashley, the same thing for you. Do your thing. Yeah. The one thing, and I, like, I agree with that, like with our generation, like, like I wouldn't take back going to college for anything, but yeah, like definitely our generation is like, look, I got this degree, but also we went through a recession when I was in college, it was a whole recession and it was still a mess when we got back out. So it was like, what are you going to do? How are you going to figure out? But the thing that I love is that I see people not only just like me, but like people are meshing the two together. So like, you know, we're all comms majors stand up, but at the same time that goes in into like, you know, being a good business owner or, you know, when I first started out as an esthetician and I worked for other people, like my communication skills got me through because working for other people ain't really it for me. <laughs> That's so you still like you learn that like your skills are transferable. That's what I feel like millennials have really learned. Mm -hmm. And I the continue to push like if there is no there is no traditional path right that says you are going to get like out here's what I'll tell you like even growing up you know some some of my friends thought that you had to do a b and c and then that that's when you like made it that's when you established yourself in life right but i would always ask them like that's it like that's all y'all want to do is is get to those points and you don't want to see past that you know, and some of them, you know, some of them would get mad and some of them would say, you know, you, you're right. Maybe that's, maybe I need to be looking beyond that. But where I, where I always got stuck is the, the people that got stuck and said, that's all I want. But I, I think everyone, everyone's passions are different. And I, I respect that. But for me, it's, it's not about always trying to get to the next level. It's about where am I at in my life journey? Like, what have I learned? What have I been able to contribute or give back? to those who've come behind me. So if I'm not continuously trying to learn something new, what am I, what, what, am, how, what, you know, what kind of, what kind of good am I to anybody? Right. So like, I look at the podcast, we, we started this podcast We're we're learning, we're learning on the way we're a part of now we're a part of this podcast just as a, as a guest. So I think we're all growing, we're all learning. And I think to me, that's a beautiful thing. And if you're not focused on some kind of personal growth, you, you should be. And shout to you guys because you guys pushed us to do this, right? The younger generation is pushing <laughs> us, right? Like the, that's what it's about. They were like, hey, I'm just I'm just proud y'all did it. I always felt like I was nagging y'all. <laughs> yeah, we you listening. got yours together too. Yeah. yeah. Um, and even when you started yours, Kristen, I was like, girl, yes, yeah. <laughs> let's go. My parents are like, what are you doing with your degree? And honestly, they couldn't care less, but they're like, oh, podcasting, is that lucrative? And I'm like, uh, we'll we'll be. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, um, they've always been phenomenal. They're just like, they, they never know what I'm doing anyways. They're just like, okay, you're alive and breathing and happy. So just keep doing whatever it is. Bills are prayed. Yeah. The dogs are alive. <laughs> so like, you're good. Um, I, I, I love that. I really, I want to be sensitive of time, but I really think the kind of baseline of all of this is it's not even the generational narrative is good or bad. It's you pulling back, being having that awareness of what really works with for you and that you live intentionally um, for your truth. And as cliche as that sounds, it's something I think the earlier you can start to ask those questions, the better. I, it took me years to kind of even get to that aware space. Um, but it's, it's, it's deeply important because I think like Reggie, what you said, what you think is successful might not be what you actually think is successful and you will find yourself unfulfilled if you're chasing someone else's dream. Um, I, I want to know from each of you, is there an intention for 2021 that you want to share with us that's on the mic that's holding us all accountable? Ooh, wow. I wasn't ready for that one. But on the spot. <laughs> um, I guess my... For 2021, I've been very um, intentional about, I mean, honestly, what we're talking about, expanding my consciousness, um, mainly through meditation. So like, just like doing it every single day and like, just really sitting back and being like, okay, like, am I living my best life? Am I doing the things that I want to be doing? And like, just getting past these generational narratives that I have in my subconscious to overcome that, to do even more stuff. So that's what, honestly, what I've been focusing on for 2021. So we'll see what happens, what materializes with that. It's more or less of me just not getting comfortable. Like it's easy to get comfortable when you're, when you're doing something well. And so 
I'm pushing myself and I'm going to push myself and my companies and my brands and myself because I'm, I am a brand myself. And so I just want to push myself and I want to push my homeboys and everything like that. Cause you know, in 10 years, I want to be able to retire and we just travel and hang out. So 2021 is about pushing yourself. Everyone came out of COVID. If you didn't sit in COVID and learn a new skill, Hey, you played yourself. I know so that's right. You got to get out there and do something with yourself. So sugar, what about you? Hey, I'm, I'm with you right there. Um, I think you have to, again, you have to continue to try to find something that that's going to drive your passions. Right. So whether that's picking up your golf clubs again, that for me was, that's, that's a big, that's a big step or, you know, trying to, to find, you know, my wife and I, we like to travel. So, you know, hopefully we can get back to some of that. So, you know, personal growth. I think that you have to get out and see what this world is about and experience it. And if you don't take a risk, it's not worth it. So that for me, it's, it's all about taking, you know, taking calculated risks. No, no crazy things. You know, I think you got to be calculated, but go out there and live your life because if you don't, you're, you're wasting time. I like, I like all those. I, for me, my 2021 has really been about um, structure and I'm not a structured human. Like I have my way of doing things, but the morning routine is deep in it. And then I'm deeply intentional about the humans I surround myself with. Um, I'm like, you guys, like you can kind of just throw us into any party and it's all good. But now I deeply, deeply appreciate my, you know, good friends like Ashley, where we can have these super forward uh, thinking, open conversations and be honest about our truths and uh, being intentional about being people like that, that want to push themselves that want to kind of kick down the doors and break glass ceilings and, and question a better way. Um, I think the community you surround yourself in is, is so deeply critical. So I consider it a massive privilege to consider you guys as friends and have conversations like this. Um, and I, I love to hear what you guys are doing. Cause again, I think these conversations, this is where it starts to shift some of these major narratives that need uh, major shifting. Amen. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, where where do we find you guys? Where can everybody uh, check out your four one one? Well, uh, I have three things. So I, I have nerdy gentlemen. So nerds rule the world. So IG nerdy gentlemen, Twitter nerdy gents, uh, website www.nerdygent.com, golf gents because uh, I love golf, and IG is golf gents, and websites www.golfgents.com, and then the podcast. Don't be alarmed. We're Negroes. Negroes come hang out with the Negroes. Uh, IG, don't be alarmed. We're Negroes Pod and Twitter, we're Negroes. And you can find our website at www.don'tbealarmedwerenegroes.com for sure. For You'll find me on Twitter. I'm trolling them a lot. So, <laughs> indeed. And also, just uh, mine is at Kalua78 on Twitter. And then all those other ones that you mentioned for our, for our podcast, don't be alarmed, we're Negroes. Ashley, where are you at? Uh, if you want to catch me doing my modeling thing, you can catch my uh, my public page um, at the Ashley Simone. And for the biz for my aesthetics, it's at for your eyes only aesthetics or www.youreyesonlyaesthetics.com. I love it. I appreciate you guys. And uh, you know, I'm here for the youth and kind of disrupting these conversations early on. And I think it's so deeply critical that we don't get complacent as adults and that we, you know, go jump on the playground and try the tire swing or whatever, like we did as kids and, and introduce some of these new uncomfortable zones into our world um, on the regular. So yes. uh, I champion what you guys are doing personally and professionally. Please check out all of their angles on things. Uh, I will say I'm trying to get my shoe game to rival uh, Uncle E here. It's it's not even close. <laughs> but shoe you really gotta go see that amongst everything else. Um, but I appreciate you guys. Check them out. And uh, maybe we'll circle back in a year and see if uh, some narratives or anything else has shifted. Well, now that you had us do our, our goals and aspirations, we have to do a checkup. Yeah. Check in. Hold it, hold it accountable. Yep. <laughs> All right. Thanks, you guys. We'll see you soon. Thanks for having us. Thank you for joining Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Tune in next time. And don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.